Ugh, I love Jenny Kane. At this very moment, I'm feeling so comfy and cozy as I'm practically getting a hug from my Jenny Kane crop cashmere cocoon cardigan. I am enjoying this sweater so much that I've been living in it all spring long. And with Mother's Day just around the corner, this is a feeling you can gift all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life by giving them the gift of Jenny Kane. Along with bringing you this episode, Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed so super easy. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. Jenny Kane means luxurious cashmere sweaters, iconic accessories, elevated versions of your everyday basics, plus the most incredible home essentials. For a limited time, Birthful listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to JennyKane.com and use the code BIRTHFUL15 to get 15% off and support the show. Jenny Kane is known for their quintessential sweaters, with their cotton collection providing you with the perfect everyday pieces as the days get warmer. But they also have gorgeous sundresses in a variety of silhouettes for any occasion and spectacular sandals to go along with them. Find the perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring go-tos at JennyKane.com. Birthful listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code BIRTHFUL15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot com, promo code BIRTHFUL15. Get yourself and the mothers in your life the gift of Jenny Kane. Pregnancy and postpartum are some of the most nutritionally demanding times of your life, which makes sense because you're basically acting as your baby's pantry while pregnant or nursing. That's why the quality of your prenatal supplements is so vitally important. Hands down, the one I recommend is needed, so I'm thrilled to say that if you use the code BIRTHFUL at thisisneeded.com, you can get 20% off your first month of needed products. Needed is the number one nutrition brand recommended and used by me and over 4,000 practitioners, from nutritionists to midwives, functional medicine doctors, and OBGYNs. Needed is for anyone trying to conceive, pregnant, postpartum, and really, this is goodness you can use even before and beyond the perinatal years. Along with prenatals, Needed offers premium supplements for every stage, from egg quality support to a lactation support plan, a stress and sleep support plan, and a gut health plan. In fact, I've had clients rave about Needed's pre- and probiotic formula, saying how much better it made them feel compared to their usual probiotics. And to me, Needed's hydration support packets, which only have ingredients you can pronounce, are a must in any doula or hospital bag. Also, Needed's prenatal multi is available in capsules and easy-to-take vanilla powder for those with nausea or pill fatigue. Head over to thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. That's thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. 
Hey, Adriana here. I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous Birthful Library. Happy listening. Welcome to Birthful Mighty Parent or Parent to Be and welcome to this episode that is part of our series called Get a Head Start on Your Postpartum Logistics to help you do just that. I'm Adriana Lozada and today I'm going to be talking to Caitlin McGrayes about why you deserve to be supported during postpartum and why professional help could and should be an integral, integral part of that support. Now, Caitlin started working as a birth doula in 2014 and then quickly became passionate about creating access to perinatal care for all. She has supported hundreds of families through their parenthood journeys, founded a doula team, ran a doula mentorship program, and has lobbied on behalf of birthing people as part of her commitment to improve family building experiences overall. In our conversation, we highly acknowledge how tricky it can be to ask for help, even after you have accepted that you need it, especially when most of our friends and family members don't really know how to help nor have that time, which is why reaching out to professional perinatal support providers can be so pivotal in setting you up for the perfect combination of care and knowledge so that you can have the amazing postpartum experience that you deserve. And we also know that often the bigger question is how to afford that professional help because, yes, the barrier to accessibility is real. So make sure you listen until the end when Caitlin shares so many great suggestions on how to be able to pay for that invaluable support. You're listening to Birthful, here to inform your intuition. Caitlin, welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you here. Thank you so much. It is absolutely my pleasure to be here. And why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you identify? Absolutely. I am a doula. I'm a mother of three and I'm the founder of Be Her Village, a gift registry for moms to get support instead of stuff. I identify as a woman, if that was part of the question. (laughs) And I really identify as someone who is deeply passionate about getting mom's care. And about getting birthing people care at all stages in their experience and their transformation during pregnancy, during birth, and in the postpartum time. And all of that is sort of stems from my own experience being an unsupported mother uh, myself. And so I've turned that experience into my life's work and my passion and my mission. And I so appreciate all the work you're doing because I feel like we all need to really get on a rooftop and shout over and over again how important it is that people get support during, I mean, all of life, but postpartum especially. And it requires that level of shouting because we need to change a paradigm of, I do this all by myself. Yes. I feel like that's a trap that's really hurting us. So... Let me just ask you my first question instead of answering it. Why (laughs) is prioritizing support during the postpartum period so vitally important? 
That's a great question. I think the really, really short answer is because the postpartum time is really hard. (laughs) So we should be prioritizing support. I think there's this like vision that gets set through lots of imagery and marketing that like bringing home your baby is the best time of your life and enjoy every moment. It's all sweetness and newborn snuggles and your baby mostly sleeps. And that is really not the reality for most of us. Definitely not for me and definitely not for the people I've supported. It's actually one of the most intensely confusing and transformative and difficult and wonderful and just every single emotion and every single experience and every single pattern you have is amplified. It is the it is the most I've ever lived. And I think what happens for people who are coming home with a baby is that the the patterns that they've set both for themselves and in their relationships, but also that we've sort of like patchworked together in terms of our own care and the way that we function in our lives is deeply, deeply tested when we have this this little adorable creature that requires 24-hour care. And it's really not that hard to take care of a newborn, right? It's like, they're just little newborns. They need to be fed and they need to be cuddled and they need to sleep and maybe a diaper change every now and then. It's really hard to take care of a newborn and live your life as normal and also take care of your own needs and also be in a relationship if you're in a relationship and also run a household and also maybe possibly care for other children at the same time. All of that is really difficult. (laughs) And so that is why we need care. Oh my gosh. (laughs) While you'll also, you're also recovering for, from whatever birth experience you had and integrating this new identity of yourself as now a parent. I always say that the birth needs to be such a huge physical event to reflect the tectonic plate shifts that are happening in your identity. Like you need a mirroring of everything changing. And oh, by the way, you can't sleep and you have to take care of a newborn. Yes, there's almost, I mean, I would argue that there's almost like no, when you're handed that baby or you get the baby yourself, you just, there's no, even like shred of who you were behind before this moment. And that is sort of intentional in the process because you have to learn who you are now in this new existence, in this new universe. And sometimes we don't have the tools to transition into that. And we, it requires like a physical recovery and emotional recovery and exploration. And it impacts every single area of our lives. It impacts our sleep, our eating, our relationships, our work, our friendships, our family relationships, our ability to like eat a sandwich. You know, like the things that I struggled with in my postpartum time were figuring out how to eat, which I have to be honest, I'm sitting here a little heavier than I'd like to be. That's never really been a problem that I've faced before. (laughs) And yet it is such a momentous task to even get basic level needs met in that postpartum time. And it is wildly fascinating to me how every single other culture in the world has built in this rest and nourishing and acknowledgement of the incredible journey to parenthood. Honestly, whether you're carrying a baby in your body or not, even in an adoptive situation, there's a journey that has happened that has exhausted yourself and your being of energy. And now you have this little thing that you're caring for and it takes other people's care to keep the entire family afloat. And there is this uniquely American independence that we have sort of uh, woven into our culture of like, I'm going to do it 
all by myself. I'm going to do it. I'm going to snap back into my jeans. I'm going to slap some makeup on. I'm going to go back to work in three to six weeks. (laughs) And the whole thing is really alarming, right? It's really alarming because mothers need care and parents need care in that time period. And really throughout the entire caregiving, you know, decades of our lives, but it is most acute in that postpartum time, I would argue in the six weeks to six months of postpartum. Yes, at least. At least. At least, at the very least. And we were talking before we started recording about the intergenerational gap that we have Mm. that then means that not only is it not supposed to be something that you do alone, but we're doing it alone without the knowledge that used to be passed down generations through generations when you saw all other members of your family either taking care of babies or feeding them or, you know, caring for others, bringing food, like more of an interconnectedness that we don't have. Absolutely. Yes. And it is, it's hard maybe for someone who's listening to even understand what we're missing because because we don't have it. And it's sort of, to me, it feels like this intangible thing, but there literally is knowledge and wisdom that has been garnered over millennia of mothering, of parenting, of raising the next generation, of of how we take care of our children, of how we make this transition, of how we latch a baby on, of how we manage, you know, various things during pregnancy and how we prepare and how we bring our babies home. And these rituals that used to exist around motherhood, around parenthood, around welcoming a little one into a family, there were, and there are still holdovers of these rituals, but we have lost so much in that knowledge that gets passed along. And it's it's been lost in many ways, right? I mean, some of it is interruption in in birthing, right? I mean, thinking about the twilight birthing period where mm. it became this fancy new thing to not feel any discomfort <laughs> during your labor, right? Like how much was lost when an entire generation of women were numbed during their births? And how much was lost when formula companies you know, came in and marketed their their products to new moms and interrupted breastfeeding knowledge. How much was lost when mothers were forced to go back to work soon, soon after having their baby? I Listen, I'm a working mother myself. I have nothing against working mothers and none of this is meant to judge or um, pass judgment on somebody. But there is this interruption in the knowledge that families and communities passed on to new mothers to support them. And it's part of why many of us feel like we're floundering when we have a baby, because it's sort of like, where do we go for information? Facebook groups and Google. Instead of calling grandmothers and neighbors and midwives and aunts and aunties and mothers and and sisters, we're, we're asking Google and we're asking anonymous people. Yeah, and I hear so often how the the same disconnect that you are talking about, what that looks like in the conversation of a person who just gave birth with their parents. How many times have I had a doula client say, well, I was trying to ask my mom, but she doesn't know anything because she just had formula or she like there was definitely an interruption very intentional. And I think it's important for us to 
have an eye-opening conversation of context. I'm all about context, (laughs) of context of where we are and what our challenges are, that they're not intrinsic. It's not that I can't do it. It's that I'm not meant to do it alone. I mean, that's I hear that all the time from people that mother-in-laws or mothers feel almost threatened by the choices that they're making because they were different from what they made. It is it's really interesting to see how this generational knowledge has sort of become co-opted by these companies and by an industry, a birthing industry and a formula industry and a culture that forces parents out of the house and disconnected from their children and back to work. It's really, it's a system that has removed the community from mothers at every single step of the way. And then we sit here struggling and saying, we need help. And it's like, just go ahead, go do it on your own. And it's it's one of those things that I try to talk about as much as possible because there is such um, a tendency for people to blame themselves for mm. not being prepared. You know, there's all this blame that we give to ourselves when really there is there's interruptions in this knowledge and wisdom. There's there's forces far bigger than ourselves that are really leading to us to flounder and to be struggling in this postpartum time. So in that case, how can people I think it's a two part. How can people set up a friends and family support when their friends and family don't necessarily know how to care for them? Or, you know, that dynamic of offering and receiving care is not well honed. Mm. How can people dig into that? And then we'll talk about what has been developing over the past few years to fill in that gap, which is professional support. Mm -hmm. I think that there is two parts to that struggle with friends and family, because one is the knowledge, right? Friends and family don't even know how to help a new mom anymore. Um, And number two, they don't necessarily have the availability that used to exist. They're not always close by. They, even if they are close by, they're working full time. They're struggling on their own. They're busy, 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 the way we all love to be so busy. And there's this sort of like, I love you, you know, good luck. And there's like a gift at the baby shower and maybe a meal dropped and that's it. And so I think the best thing you can do with friends and family is first of all, acknowledge that, that there is some sort of limitation in their own capacity and it has nothing to do with their love for you. It has to do with sort of the system that we're all living in that requires us to be doing other things. And I think that for me, one of my favorite things to do just generally, but also for new moms is to make lists. I think making a list of your basic needs um, and making it not when you're in crisis, (laughs) making it well before the baby is out and really taking time to think about the things that support you in your daily life. So for some of us, it might be Like for me, example, I love my 20 minutes with my hot cup of coffee and my phone and no interruptions. It is like one of my favorite parts of the day. So a friend coming over and taking the baby for 20 minutes so that you can go have a coffee ritual or a breathing ritual or a yoga ritual or a journaling ritual or some ritual, or you could just sleep for 20 more minutes. (laughs) But you creating rituals for yourself can be really, really impactful. It's like low effort, high impact in Mm -hmm. those ways. And other things, 
And without guilt. Oh my goodness. Yes. That's like a whole other episode of right? mom guilt and how we <laughs> avoid it. Um, the other thing that I, I think is really great is just having this sort of like a list of fresh foods that people can bring because there's a lot we can do to prepare ourselves. There's plenty of takeout, right? At the touch of a button, you can have a greasy restaurant meal in your hands in 20 minutes, but having people drop off cut up watermelon or a salad or a freshly homemade chili or something, something that's not accessible at the touch of a button can be so, so, so impactful. You can also develop a really small list of chores or activities that people can participate in, like come and empty my sink in whatever form that looks, whether it's loading the dishwasher or doing, you know, washing dishes by hand, come and sort of contribute so that you're not feeling like you must host people, but rather people can come and nourish you. And that is so huge. I love hearing you say that because that's something that I always stress to people also is when you have, they're not visitors, they're helpers, and you're not a host. Do not host. They're there to take care of you. And I love the list. I love the list on the fridge. And to sort of bridge that awkwardness of, I don't know how to ha- ask for help. And maybe I'm feeling guilty that you don't like folding clothes or whatever. Just there's a list on the fridge, pick a thing that you yes. like, just do it. Yes, yes. And I also would recommend making this sort of list, this visitation, like how you can help list. <laughs> and also just having a reminder about visitation time, because you know, my mother, of course, welcome all day, all day long. My father would actually had no idea how to help. So he would come to my house. He would drive 45 minutes to my house and sit in my living room and watch TV. And it was actually so helpful to just not be alone. I don't, it's just amazing to not be alone. And, and so they were welcome for hours and hours, but when other people would come 20 minutes in and out, it just, there's really uh, small things that people can do that have really big impact. You can also set boundaries within this sort of pre-made list while you're pregnant that's either hung on your front door when people come to visit or distributed uh, via text to, you know, people who are curious about visiting by your partner or your mother, please not by you. And it can have, you know, hey, if I offer you the baby, then you can hold the baby, but come without the expectation that you're going to be holding the baby because there's a, a huge thing that happens. I remember it stressed me out to no end when people would come and visit me and I had a high needs baby who turned into a high needs kid and I was deep in the throes of postpartum anxiety, post C-section. I didn't know, I didn't know which way was up, but I did know that I was not interested in handing my sweet little one or two week old baby to my husband's like fairly distant relatives or even my friends from childhood. It created, it created an enormous amount of anxiety. And the truth is, and I wish somebody had told me the way I'm telling all of you right now, it's okay to not let people hold your baby. And it's okay to say, come and visit, bring us food, do a chore, and then go. Just your presence is a present. You can even put a little rhyme on there. (laughs) It can make setting a boundary feel better for everybody involved. I remember feeling so incredibly disrespected when people came three, four weeks. I love staggering care, right? I love people not all coming in the first week, but coming in week three and four and five or whenever there's a big transition. But them having waited four weeks because they didn't get an invitation to then say, we're coming over to see the baby. Not help you out, not how are you doing? And they showed up to hold and see the baby 
like that was their right. And I remember feeling so disrespected, right? So we could go on and on about that, but the <laughs> the the conversation we understand that the conversation of figuring out how to get friends and family to help is a complicated one. And so fortunately, there's been all these professionals that have popped up to help fill those gaps. Talk to me a little bit more about how to integrate the two and what even what even professionals are out there that you can reach out to. So yeah, so sort of like going back to this conversation about intergenerational wisdom, the good news is while it has been lost in many ways, it has not been completely lost. And there are entire professions that have retained this information, this knowledge, that have deepened it, that have even quite honestly done the work of traveling and experiencing the cultures and regaining and reclaiming some of this knowledge to bring it back to the mothers so that we don't have to rely on our mothers and grandmothers who might not be around or might not have the knowledge themselves. And these professionals look like many different people. I mean, there's childbirth educators, there's doulas, there's podcasters, there's postpartum professionals, lactation consultants, there's postpartum professionals, meaning doulas that are, I like to call them fairy godmothers. They just come into your life and make everything better. It's really hard to explain postpartum doulas, except that they just make everything feel better when you're in your postpartum time. I do have an episode about postpartum doulas, so I'll link it awesome. to our notes. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, there's also so much care for the mother, because I think so much of what we worry about right in this postpartum time is like, is the baby gaining weight? We go to the pediatrician. There's like lots of, if we're, you know, have a pediatrician that's supporting our breastfeeding, maybe we're going to a lactation consultant a tongue tie consultant, but there's also pelvic floor specialists for mothers. There's also maternal mental health. There's also support groups for mothers. There's also all kinds of rituals that I am just seeing more and more and more pop up in communities. There's closing of the bone ceremonies. Um, there's acupuncturists, there's body work, there's Reiki, there's energy work. There's all of these people that have sort of collectively taken this knowledge of how to care for mothers, how to care for parents and babies and the people who are transitioning into this role from like basically medically adjacent into full woo. And I say that respectfully. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's so much knowledge and so many professionals out there right now. Today's episode is sponsored by Acorns. And sometimes I find that investing gets put off because it doesn't seem urgent or because with our busy lives, we may not have the time to research and manage said investments, which is why I so appreciate that Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future and that you don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. So for example, I take advantage of Acorn's roundup feature where they round up the purchase amounts I make in my linked account to the nearest dollar, and then they automatically transfer that to my invest account portfolio. Also, Acorns can recommend an expert build portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. For me, that's easy peasy investing. Head to acorns.com slash birthful or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. 
client testimonial may not be representative of all clients. Tier 1 compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com slash birthfall. Investing involves risk, including loss of principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors LLC Acorns is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorn Securities LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You've taken gorgeous photos of your baby or your kids, and then when you want to share them, it is a pain either trying to find the photos or figuring out the group text that they should go to, and then also remembering that, say, Aunt Helen only does email, so you need to send her image separately. Or like in my case, where my husband is a photographer who takes magnificent photos that I rarely actually get to see because they live on his phone or end up scattered in text messages that I can't easily find. Enter the Family Album app, which was created to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with your loved ones. Basically, it's a personal space for your family's memories without third-party ads or unwanted eyes and with a bunch of fabulous features. It automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and easily see how your child has grown. And you can also order eight photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. The Family Album app also has unlimited storage. Plus, it's totally free. Yup, no more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by third-party ads. So, to all the parents out there still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, level up your family photo game for free and securely with the Family Album photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, all in one word, and download the app to start creating your shared photo legacy. And part of the conversation of how important it is, like taking away the guilt, right, of how important it really is for you to figure out what combination of help is most helpful to you, but to actually get the help. Recently, there was data from the CDC on the maternal, what was it, the committees, the review committees. and. That came out 2022. And the leading cause right now of maternal mortality in the first year after baby is born is mental health. You know, second to that, and depending on on what population it is, for Black people, cardiovascular things are higher. And then for Asian Pacifics, hemorrhaging is higher. But in general, all population, the mental health is is the highest leading indicator. And then if you are Hispanic or non-Hispanic white, mental health remains the leading cause of maternal mortality. That is beyond, right? It is. I think for me, when I'm listening to you read those stats, it is infuriating and rage inducing and helps me continue to show up to work because it is not cardiovascular disease. I'm not sure. I don't know how to solve that. Right. I don't know how to solve hemorrhage, but mental health, and I'm sure there are people that do by the way, but mental health, (laughs) thank goodness, mental health for mothers is so solvable. It's laughable. They know exactly 
what to do. They know exactly how to reduce mental health issues. They know how to help mothers. Every single thing that we have just talked about, the support before, during, and after, people coming to visit, people helping mothers, not feeling alone, other mothers being connected to them, having the time to care for their babies, having access to actual mental health resources, all of this care for mothers, all of this restoring, all of this sort of pause and acknowledgement of how incredibly momentous and tremendous and awful and wonderful birth and becoming a mother can be is how you fix mental health problems that lead essentially to someone hurting or killing themselves. How awful that we can see the problem so clearly and no one is acting on it right now. It is similarly mind boggling to me. And it is, it's why this conversation, I feel like I have it a lot, maybe because it's my life, right? I feel like I have this conversation with so many people. And I feel like so many people are having this conversation about why support is so important, but it needs to be had because until we collectively as a group say, we are not doing this anymore. I deserve to be supported as a mother. I deserve to be cared for. I deserve to be safe. I deserve this and my baby deserves me having it. Right. And sometimes I like that reframe because it can be really, really hard with our independent American thinking to think, well, I should care for myself, right? But if I think about, well, my baby really needs one thing only, and that's a caregiver that is present and healthy and safe, well, then that can really kick me into action. And that is that is it right there. I mean, this is how you save lives. You save lives and you keep mothers and babies and parents and babies healthy by supporting their mental health. And that does not just look like talk therapy, right? That looks like so many things. It looks like food and community and connection. And you can have all the medical problems and having a village and a and a group of other people to validate you and see you and hear you. It can really just relieve all of these, the pressures that exist for new moms. That isolation is such a big factor. Oh my gosh. The isolation is, it's really cruel. I mean, there's so much of this that I hope people really take to heart. The fact that that for early postpartum period, if you're the primary caregiver, it can be not only isolating, but then you're also overtouched because you're never, you're isolated, but you're never alone. Mm. And that's such a difficult place to be. And like you were saying, you're 20 minutes with your cup of coffee. That is life-saving because it's that re-energizing or being able to go to the bathroom alone. Like you should have that. Yes. I mean, it really, I feel like for someone who hasn't been through this, it might sound strange for us to be saying all of these women are in, in crisis and or at risk because of mental health issues. So really just make sure somebody comes and helps you drink coffee and get alone for 20 minutes. And yet that's kind of it, right? Like it's, it's, that's what's so difficult about, um, motherhood and knowing the problems that face mothers in our country is that it really doesn't take that much to set yourself up on this path where you can restore and reconnect to yourself. Babies demand 24 seven care and they were never, ever, ever meant to be cared for by one or two people ever. Motherhood is not supposed to be done alone. It is supposed to be done in community. And we used to 
live. I mean, way back in the in the old days, we used to live in villages. We used to live in places where women would work together to raise the children. Then we got, you know, a little more industrialized and we have multi-generational homes and farms and communities. And now I'm sitting in my suburban house, my one generation suburban house, and I'm lucky enough to have put some real energy into building my community. But I have a 10-year-old, you know, <laughs> I didn't know to do this when I had a newborn or before I had a newborn. We're incredibly isolated from one another. And the act of parenting needs community. The act of parenting needs multiple capable adults uh, to support one another as they bring up their youngest. And we have spent all this time trying to really get people to understand that they need to shift the paradigm, that the system is letting them down and like trying to make sure you understand that you have to put yourself first, that if you don't do it, Nobody around you nor the system will because we're culturally focused on the baby, not on the person that did the work. Yes. So by now, like both Caitlin and I are here cheering you on and saying, be quote unquote selfish, prioritize yourself. You are worth it. You deserve it. It is for your health and your family's health. Prevent complications, prevent a lot of mental health issues. So hopefully you are convinced that you are going to set up your village of support. <laughs> so when should people start setting up this village of support and how long will they need support for? What should they plan? So when you should build your village of support is as early as possible, quite honestly. When you're thinking about getting pregnant, if you have the privilege and luxury of planning your pregnancies Get connected to people in your community who are doing the same thing. Get connected to people online who are doing the same thing. Get like clicked into resources there. But absolutely, when you are pregnant, when you're expecting your baby, if you're not pregnant, that is the time to start lining up the support for your postpartum time because it's it's almost like it's almost like graduating college, right? Like you're going to be living life this certain way, and then as soon as you graduate, it's it's this wide open canvas that you get to paint for yourself. And that is similar. It's, it's that abrupt of a transition. And you want to set yourself up so that when this transition happens, everything you need is lined up. You have both the friends and family, the connection with other people that are in this circle of life that you're in, and also these professionals that we're talking about that can bring these generations of knowledge into your experience. It's an incredible thing to do and doing it earlier rather than later is best. That being said, do it whenever you need it. <laughs> because like, I don't want, there's so many people that are like, oh my goodness, I'm 38 weeks pregnant. Like I'm so far behind. No, listen, you're not sitting here, you know, seven years postpartum going, what just happened to me? <laughs> so, so you're ahead of the game to even be listening to this and even be thinking about this. Um, it's better late than never, but start as early as you can to line up those supports, especially because as you start speaking, especially to professionals, as you start looking into doula support or looking into, you know, someone who can help you reach your breastfeeding goals or someone who uh, is going to specialize in pelvic floor therapy or return to exercise or returning to work or whatever you're really trying to focus on, they are going to open up all of these places for you to start 
exploring. So you don't even need to know necessarily. You can leave here, leave this episode and think, oh, I really have no idea. But so-and-so used that doula. Let me call that doula up and start. It doesn't have to be as much work as it sounds like. Sometimes it's just about having conversations and letting your gut follow or lead you, excuse me, into the next place and the next conversation and and really lining up people that feel good for you. And once you're tapped into this, once you've opened yourself up to this possibility of support, these things have a way of sort of unfolding exactly how they're supposed to. But the, the big important thing, which is why we've spent so much time talking about it, is having this mindset shift into needing support, into understanding that you're going to need it. Actually, that's not even that's not even a question, but that you deserve it and, and your baby deserves it. And that that's where the focus should be, because I'm guilty of it. I spent my entire first pregnancy painting a mural, a beautiful mural, but still a sort of useless one when it came to, when it came down to it, painting a mural on the nursery wall, um, sourcing all the cloth diapers, the clothes, and building the nursery out. All of my time and energy went in there. And that was where I sat and struggled. So, so it was at least a nice place to sit and struggle. But had I taken that amount of energy and built out my team and built out connections with other mothers and built out the lists that I now know I needed, right? Things really would have felt different for me. So the mindset shift, the mindset shift is 98% of the work. And it really takes just a few phone calls and a few intentions set after that to get the ball rolling on your support team. So much. And I love that you mentioned doulas because doulas one of their the things that we do is have that referral system in place and be able to identify, you know, it seems like from your exercise history, it might be good for you to connect with a pelvic PT even before birth. So you have a baseline and you find out if you're hypertonic so that you can balance those muscles, make birth easier, make recovery easier, lessen chances of tearing. Like one connection with one of these providers because we're we're like perinatal geeks um (laughs) we love connecting around this and talking to each other and getting to know each other so it's very easy for somebody to then just say oh have you set up your lactation consultant yet it might be good for you to get a baseline and then you know this person you've created some trust and connection along with confidence of your body specifically And then you have their phone number to reach out day three when your milk's coming in. Exactly. Exactly. And that's if if there's one thing you come away with today, I want you to know that it really just takes that first step and it will all really get itself where it needs to be. The the big shift is for you to make that intention and that one aligned action to setting up your support team. Now, we do have to acknowledge, though, that having a baby is so incredibly expensive. And so one of the biggest barriers to setting down your professional postpartum support is being able to afford it. And especially with our short paid or unpaid family leave policies, whatever you can get, we've got people going back to work at three weeks after their baby is born. I mean, forget about being able to even observe, have time to think about integrating what they're going through. How can people figure out how to afford this care? Because they definitely need it. Yeah, 
That is, to me, that's the question that I'm answering with my work because it is, it is the question, right? We can, so many people can and do try to get that mindset shift happening. And then there's an entire population of moms and women and parents to be that, okay, I deserve the support. I'm going to go out and get it. Oh, I don't, I can't afford any of this. What do I do? What do I do? I now I know it's almost worse. Now I know how impactful. Now I know how my health can be, you know, affected by this care. And now I know I deserve it. How do we have this system where the people who have money get that care and the people who don't have out of pocket funds to spend don't get it? I wish I had a better answer. Number one, I wish the answer was, it's, oh, just go to this XYZ website and you can get everything for free. That would be my ideal answer. That is not the answer I have. But there are a lot of resources that people don't know exist. And so I would recommend that anyone who's listening, who's like, all right, I definitely was thinking about a doula before. Now I'm definitely going to get a doula. Definitely want a postpartum doula. Going to make the call right now. But what do I do if their price is, you know, let's say it's going to cost $2,000 or $3,000 all in for this care. What I would recommend is to be scrappy is to be crafty, to really dig in and create different ways for you to access this care. So number one, there is short-term disability. If you are not pregnant yet, or if you're not pregnant with your next pregnancy or or whatever, if you look into short-term disability, it's an incredible program. You have to not be pregnant yet. If you purchase it before you get pregnant, you can do the math where you pay a little bit each month. And then by the time you have your baby, you can get ten to $15,000 to pay for this type of care that you're getting or your maternity leave or whatever it may be. So short-term disability, if you're not pregnant yet or if you're pregnant now, maybe for your next one, is something that everybody should look into because it's an incredible tool. And I personally, I don't think it's advertised nearly the way that it should be. There are also increasing numbers of uh, practitioners, both IBCLCs, uh, pelvic floor therapists, maternal mental health therapists, and even doulas that are being covered by insurance companies. So I would strongly, strongly recommend that you look into your company's benefits or however you're accessing insurance. And beyond that, though, even if your insurance company says, oh, we don't cover that, when talking to your insurance, to never take the first no as as a no. Because really, some days it depends on who you're talking to. Sometimes by design, they say no, and you have to call back and, you know, apply again. And there's like all these sort of, there's red tape by design. So be scrappy, be be diligent, be determined. And the next thing I would say in the insurance conversation is to reach out to the practitioners you'd like to uh, work with and talk to them. Because oftentimes they know which insurance providers will pay them, which out-of-network you know applications you need to use. And they can really help you navigate this incredibly complicated system. Um, it's sort of like the village begins there, right? You don't have to call your insurance by yourself and figure this all out. That's very intimidating for many of us, myself included. There are people that will help you through that. Um, the next area, and this is where my expertise comes in, is actually through your gift registry. So. There are $12 billion a year spent on baby shower gifts and baby products. And 
that's a whole lot of money. It's about three to five thousand dollars per baby, and per baby, which you have to think about too. Many of us are only having a shower for our first, so there's an exceptional amount of money being spent. And part of it is sort of what we went back to in this in the beginning of this conversation, where our friends and family want to help. They are so excited to give us a gift. They are so excited to shower us with their love. They just don't necessarily have the right tools to do that. And so um, one of the ways that you can capitalize on that generosity and the sort of built-in experience of having a baby shower and having a registry is by creating a registry for this support. And there's a couple of ways to do it. You can do it on a GoFundMe, although that's not really my recommendation because that feels a little... Uh, desperate and charity. And it's it's not the same thing as giving a gift. Um, baby List is a really popular baby registry website that's very product focused, but does have um, a place to leave a Venmo link if you wanted to fundraise for a doula or maternity leave or postpartum care. But our platform, Be Her Village, is something that a lot of moms choose in addition to their baby list registries because Be Her Village, which is beHerVillage.com, is really all about everything we talked about today. It's about lining up your support team and having it paid for through your baby registry and through baby shower gifts. And so that can be a great option for someone who's listening to this going, all right, I don't have the insurance. I'm already pregnant. I can't get short-term disability, right? But you do have people, every single one of us has people in our lives that's going to be giving us a gift or thinking of us or helping us prepare for this baby. And asking people for not only the products that your baby needs, but also the support that you need to take care of your baby um, is a really great option for sort of building your team and getting the funding to be able to afford this care that you very much deserve. And it makes it easy for them to give you something that, you know, one of the things we said at the beginning is that they are also really busy. They might want to come and help and just spend the day cleaning your house, but they don't have that kind of time. I just, last week I was telling a doula friend of mine who's going to have surgery, I can't bring you a meal, but I'll send you a Grubhub. Like that's because that's the reality. I don't have the time for this. But I love how Be Her Village really becomes sort of that list on the fridge that we were talking about of go and pick something that's really going to be helpful. They know that then the gift they're giving you is a gift that's going to be super helpful and not just a, you know, a onesie that may or may not get used because the baby outgrew it too quickly. But they sent that because they didn't know what else to give. Exactly. That's exactly it. There are so many people that are very excited to take care of new moms, but we don't necessarily have the tools to do it. And there's nothing like hiring a professional or sending money towards your care and saying, hey, I'm thinking about you. I love you. And here's the care that I wish I could provide myself. It's really, it's a beautiful option. Um, and we're finding that people are pretty excited about it, which feels really good to see that. Now, what if you create a plan and then when you're in it, it's not working out or some unexpected circumstances showed up. So things are different than what you planned or prepare for. Like say you had a preemie or you had planned for a home birth and then you had a transfer to the hospital and ended up with a cesarean. Who knows? Do you have suggestions on how to adjust your support? I think that probably whatever support you line up for yourself is flexible. I think that most of the support that you're lining up, quite honestly, due to the nature of babies, most of them are flexible for call time regardless. 
and they can help connect you um, with resources, whether it's going to be a NICU resource or a C-section recovery resource. Um, you know, there's Mayan abdominal massages. There's things we can do for C-section scars. There's all sorts of things that sort of exist. But as you said, I love that perinatal geeks. We all know each other. We all work together in collaboration and community ourselves in order to get mothers supported. For me, I think the best thing you can do to prepare for your plan shifting is actually that internal work of envisioning what your life and what your birth and what your reality looks like in each scenario. Because there is this tendency, right, to not want to feed in or manifest or create a negative uh, outcome or an undesired outcome. But there is also, and I'm speaking from personal experience here, there is also some serious benefit from putting even a little bit of time and energy into sort of what could this look like and what are the things I should think about. Think about it for 20 minutes, write it down on a sheet of paper and never look at it again, but at least have have created this reality that that could exist for yourself because it can really help um, when there are uncontrollables like preemies, like some C-sections, like other circumstances, it can really help to keep your mind and your heart really flexible and really open to what is to come. Yeah. And so you're not completely blindsided. I'm, I'm, I'm yes. of, the, of the mind of if you have a spare, you won't need it. Like, yes, do it just I in love case that. So you won't need it. <laughs> right. Let's flip it. Yes. Caitlin. Thank you so very much for all the work you're doing for helping new parents to not struggle or lessen the struggle, be more supported. <laughs> There's always struggle, but be more supported. <laughs> is there anything that you wanted to mention that we didn't get to? Nope. This has been so incredible. And I'm really, really grateful to be invited to have this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. That was Caitlin McGrayas, who has supported hundreds of families through their parenthood journeys. She is also the founder of Be Her Village, and you can find Caitlin on Instagram at Be Her Village. I hope you really take to heart how vitally important it is for you to start right now setting up your village of support. And I also wanted to clarify that the full name of the review committees that I was talking about is the Maternal Mortality Review Committees. In terms of the timing of the pregnancy-related deaths found in their data, 22% of deaths occurred during pregnancy, 25% occurred on the day of delivery or within seven days after, and then 53% occurred between seven days to one year after pregnancy. So let me repeat that because it's important. More than half of these deaths occurred between one week to one year after giving birth. On top of all that, and echoing what Caitlin was saying in the episode, the data found that 80% of all pregnancy-related deaths were preventable. Now, this data is just looking at mortality rates, so it doesn't include the people who experience the much more prevalent postpartum mood and anxiety disorders, postpartum PTSD, and birth trauma. So make sure you do set up the support that you need. We've linked the data that I just mentioned and a bunch of resources for you in the show notes. You can connect with us at Birthful Podcast on Instagram. And in fact, if you're not driving, go ahead and take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to Instagram sharing your biggest takeaway from the episode. Make sure to tag at Birthful Podcast so we can see it and amplify it. 
You can find the in-depth show notes and transcript of this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about my birth and postpartum preparation classes and download your free postpartum preparation plan. Also, if you find this podcast to be your go-to resource for all things perinatal, then the best way to support us is by taking any one of my perinatal classes, doing one of my doula workshops, or trying out some of the wonderful, amazing products made by our sponsors. This is what allows us to continue doing this work. Birthful is created and produced by me, Adriana Lozada, with production assistance from Asia Plotty. Thank you, thank you so very much for listening to Birthful and sharing it with your friends, your family. Be sure to follow us on GoodPod, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere you listen, and then come back for more ways to inform your intuition. Hey, Adriana here. I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous birthful library. Happy listening.